I'm Stephanie. And I'm Kayla. And welcome to the Witch Story Podcast, where we talk about new witch trials every week, as well as other tales and content related to witches that we have researched for you. As always, we would just like to bring light to the history of persecutions that were quite gruesome and horrific, and unfortunately, with some still taking place today. So let's get started on episode two with the Pappenheimer family from Germany. I shouldn't even say Germany. When our story takes place, the region was called Swabia. Swabia. I don't know. I'm Polish, so I'm using. I'm taking a Polish spin on this word. Swabia. Swabia. Like S V A B I A would probably be Swabia. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Swabia. Cool. Swabia. I'm not gonna lie, though. There are a lot of Germanic words that I might have trouble pronouncing in this episode, but that's okay. I am trying my best. <laughs> so let's just get into our story now. I know I said they were the Pappenheimer family, but originally they were the Gamperl family, G-A-M-P-E-R-L-E. Not sure if I'm saying that right either. I think it's just Gamperl. I think that's, that's right. Okay, for if any reason I might need to say that word again, can you say it? <laughs> Gamperl. <laughs> I'm just going to sound kind of like British when I say it so that no one can say I'm wrong. <laughs> just put on a British accent for the whole yeah. yeah. This is the family that I was telling you about that when I was researching, I think I texted you and I was having a hard time because it was just so gruesome. Oh, yeah. So we will let everyone know right before we include any violent subject matter or torture the family injured during their confessions. So you can skip if you please, but hold tight because it's at the end of our story. We just wanted to give you a heads up here. From here on, for the purposes of our story, I'm just going to refer to them as the Pappenheimer family. And in year 1600, when our trial took place, the Pappenheimer family consisted of the father, Paulus, age 57, the mother, Anna, age 59, and their three sons, 22-year-old Gumprecht, 20-year-old Michael, who sometimes went by Jacobs, Jacobs, and 12-year-old Hansel, who sometimes went by Howell. I love the name Hansel, though. <laughs> Hansel. It's cute, right? But I don't understand why they have uh, so many nicknames. They did like. That why a lot. is Jacobs a nickname for Michael? Because Germans have this thing where they are given like multiple names at birth, and then they just pick the name that they like the most. Um, like my friend Philip, his real first name is Georg, like George, mm-hmm. but he hates that name, so he would rather perf- like he likes to be called. Philip. I love that name, George. Georg. But if they like their nicknames, I'll refer to them with their nicknames from now. So we'll go into a little bit of background of this family. The father, Paulus, was an illegitimate brickyard laborer from the region we mentioned earlier, Swabia. He ran away from an abusive home at the age of 14 and began to take odd jobs and moved from town to town before he met his wife, Anna. Anna also came from a pretty poor family. She was the daughter of a gravedigger from Ansbach, and she didn't even have enough money for a dowry when they married because dowries was still a thing in Germany back then, or Swabia. Paulus married her at age 18 and hoped to take over her father's role as a gravedigger, but the family would have been 
the lowest people in society. They weren't even able to commingle with servants. They were just looked down upon by everyone. Even being a grave digger, although it was a necessary role in society, it was very much frowned upon. But Paulus never ended up taking the position as a grave digger because the couple, together now with their kids, moved to Nuremberg and there they became beggars. But after a while of moving around the town, Paulus did end up finding employment once again as a privy emptier. Unfortunately, a privy emptier is still low in the ranks of society. I mean, you're cleaning up human waste, so it is a necessary job, but you know, nobody's going to look highly upon you if you're a privy emptier, unfortunately. And that's where the Gamperl family became known as the Pappenheimer family in all the old sources and texts. Although when I was looking up the last name Pappenheimer, when I like put it into Google Translate, it had nothing to do with privies. So I'm unclear as to why that became their last name. Um, I didn't interrupt earlier, but Pappen actually means to be sticky. And oh no, <laughs> yes, and Heimer means a person of ignorance and inability to comprehend simple ideas. So, the combination what a terrible last name. I wonder if people still have that last name. That's quite unfortunate. I know, <laughs> I hope not, but to whoever does, and if you hear this, I am truly sorry. <laughs> Watch, somebody's going to listen to this and they didn't even know the meaning to their own last name. Oh, man. Oh, man. I'm sorry. (laughs) I had to do a quick Google to make sure nobody had that last name. But apparently there's something called Pappenheimer Bodies, which is scientific. This is really off topic. Oh, wow. Yeah, you know, you're right. Yeah. Abnormal basophilic granules of iron found inside red blood cells from routine blood stain. What? Maybe somebody with a Pappenheimer last name became a scientist, which, good for you. Yes. Um, (laughs) And then found these bodies, antibodies, regular bodies? Antibodies, maybe. Blood bodies. Whatever they are. (laughs) Great. Now that we're a little bit off topic, I think it's a great time for a word from our sponsor. Today's episode is once again sponsored by Realcom. Realcom is a community-based app for identifying triggers in movies. The user can either search a movie title to make sure that the film they are about to watch does not contain any triggers, or at the same time, you can add triggers so others will know not to watch and be reminded of past traumas. The best part is it is absolutely free to download in the Apple Store. Just type in Realcom, R-E-E-L-C-A-L-M to download today. Thank you, Realcom. Now let's get back to our podcast. All right, so while Paulus was doing his business, emptying his privies, Anna and the sons helped the family income by taking on other odd jobs such as cleaning, fixing windows, gambling, or occasionally still begging. And since they could not gain access to a home, they stayed at acquaintances or cheap but illegal lodging houses because they did not have the proper paperwork to get by. I didn't know that back then you needed paperwork and all that. I just assumed that you can just go wherever you want. So because of the fact that these people weren't classified as high status, the only form of like documentation that they might have had was 
a birth certificate, but they didn't need to walk around with it. Um, basically, their birth was just recorded and probably their baptism and so on and so forth. But then another form of identification that they might have had because they were beggars as well were like these tokens that were handed out in each town. And basically people would carry around these tokens so they would be known as forms of like good behavior. So that means that they could beg in a different town if they had these tokens with them. And people could still be identified through these tokens as well. Just because like, if you only have a few beggars per town, then you could just like obviously see who this man was. Oh. Yeah. If they wanted to move to a new town and beg there. They couldn't just do that if they didn't have like good standing with the other town kind Mm -hmm. of thing. Yeah. But still they didn't have proper documentation to buy a house or own their own property. It's definitely possible. But hard. Harder than I'm imagining. Yeah. Extremely, extremely hard. Like you would need to like find a piece of unclaimed land and stay there and basically squat there until it's yours and then build from there. But that would also mean that you would have to learn how to farm it. And what if the land would like, didn't have good soil? Like there's so many factors to that, that it's just almost not worth it. You know, in Ontario, you can do that too. Yeah, I know. That's crazy to me. That's wild. You can do that in the U S too. Like, Oh, I just watched this show. Um, It was about some people building a retreat in Alaska. So this man one day just decided to walk out into like the north of Alaska and to this unclaimed piece of land. And he would like live there until he could claim it as his. And he he claimed like a mountain. It's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) What? I want to do that. Yeah. I do and I don't because it honestly looks insane. So Yeah. Well, I can't even afford like a one meter by one meter plot of land in Toronto. So Yeah. Yeah. Same. <laughs> I, I feel that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I just assume that you can get away with anything. Like you could just steal a horse and ride into the next region and take a new life. I th- yeah, that's uh, stealing a horse was punishable by death. So I don't think a lot of people stole horses. <laughs> She's a witch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I wish they could have just stolen horses and ridden away into the sunset. Because what happened next for the Pappenheimer family was pretty horrible. I mean, their whole life up to now was just unfortunate. And after 20 years of getting by as illegitimate workers, the entire family were all taken from their beds in the middle of the night and thrown into jail for murder. So obviously they probably did not even commit any crimes, but we're going to walk you through the trial and see why they did end up confessing to such brutal accusations. So when they were arrested, it was because a thief who was already in jail for a robbery said that they murdered seven pregnant women. And, you know, whether there were women that were actually murdered could be debated because, as we know, back then, many women died during childbirth. But regardless, someone needed to be responsible by the pressure of the government, and the thief did not want to take the blame. So the thief pointed a finger at the Pappenheimers because, as mentioned, they were, you know, a low-level class of people already known to be illegitimate. But the, the motive for why these women were killed 
was apparently that the family needed to make candles from the unbaptized fetuses. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't know how that would even be physically possible, but obviously somebody believed this, and then the entire Pappenheimer family was taken to Munich by the order of Maximilian I, who was the elector of Bavaria at the time, and that's where they were tortured for their confessions. And I'm going to leave a source at the end of this where you can look more in depth into the trial. The transcripts of the trial are actually oddly, like meticulously recorded, and they're even in English, which wouldn't be the norm because, you know, this is a lower class family and a lot of trial papers are usually lost or because this was the region of Swabia at the time, they wouldn't have been in English. Uh, it's written in old English, so you're going to have to do a little bit of paleography there. Is that the right word? The study of ancient historic writing? Paleography. We made it a word. It's a word. Okay. <laughs> it's true. Once so it's, it's a, said, it's a word. Yeah. It's a, <laughs> it's a little hard to read, but there you have like each individual family member um all their accusations and they just said yep I did all of this um so now is where you would want to skip if you don't want to hear the torture trigger warning yeah I will still keep it limited for our audience because as I said everything is in the source if you want to read more about it but even while researching it like it was really heartbreaking for us to get through and so what happened to the Pappenheimer family was when they arrived in Munich, they would have been questioned and asked whether they did indeed kill these women. And then they would have said once again, no, they didn't. And that's when they would have been taken to the breaking wheel. The breaking wheel is a torture device usually used in cases of aggravated murder. And it was sometimes referred to as the execution wheel or the Catherine wheel. And this was a device that was used all over the world from at least the 6th century until its last known use in Prussia in 1841. Now, the purpose of this wheel was not always to kill you, but to severely break you down. And like I said, it was mostly used in cases of aggravated murder, like we have now where it's the murder of nine women. Um, so serial killers would have been put on this wheel or just the worst crimes committed, you would have used this wheel. And there would have been a large uh, spoke or blades on this wheel and you were tied to it. And all your bones would break while they can whip you and impale you, which is exactly what happened to the Pappenheimers. They were tortured. They were burned and impaled and had all these broken bones. And that was just the beginning of their torture because they would still argue that they did not kill those women. And this is where I texted you, Steph, and I was like, I can't mm -hmm. with this. Um, yeah. But Anna, the mother, her breasts were cut off and then rubbed into the face of their of her sons. That's disgusting. I just like and choked on my awful. own. Awful. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, there's methods of torture, like we just saw with the wheel, but then there's something as sick and inhumane as who even comes up with this idea to be like, hey, 
they might confess if we rub their mom's breast in their face like that is absolutely disgusting you know it just it doesn't make any sense like when a person confesses like you're still unsure if it's a complete lie or the truth and that's why torturing is like it's just never helpful so anytime I look back in history and I see this happening I just I want to understand the person's mind Mm -hmm. from that time as to how they came to the conclusion that this would work like there are torture you know. methods and then there's like, you know, the thumb screws or something, but this is like sick. Yeah. This is sadistic. Or like what happened to the old fashioned pulling out the nails, you know, like <laughs> not that that's good in any way, but yeah. at, at least it's, it's a bit better than this atrocity. So they were probably tortured just to the point of they would rather take death and go through more torture, which is what a lot of these cases end up being. When they confess, they're like, I'm just going to take the credit for this because I don't want to live anymore under this torture. Like, this is so horrible and brutal. When they ended up confessing, they took credit collectively for the deaths of about 500 people in the end, including 400 of those being children. And this is why I said earlier that those nine initial women might not have even been murdered because now there's 500 people and 400 children. So they all must have been deaths due to complications with childbirth is my guess. The Pappenheimer said that this was possible because they were in association with the devil. They made this uh, salve, like a cream. Like a butter or whatever. Like a, yeah, yeah, like an herbal concoction. Yes. Um, and that that salve contributed to the fatalities. Interesting. So they also confessed to a number of thefts and burglaries, the killing of cows, the conjuring of bad weather. And this one was weird. They said that they robbed churches to sell the holy wafers to Jews. I don't know why Jewish people would buy those holy wafers. Well, I don't think that's the purpose of why that's like why they said that. I think um I think just because people saw Jews as you know people they didn't want to deal with and mm-hmm. most people saw Jews as bad people. Um so I think it had more to do with selling something to Jews so that they could be seen as bad. So Yeah. And Jews the- definitely didn't want that. <laughs> they didn't want those wafers at all. No, nobody wants those wafers. They're gross. No, they're gross. I've never had one, but they look nasty. Yeah. (laughs) Being a Jew myself, I have refused. (laughs) I think also, like, uh, they just needed to say something about, like, robbing a church, like, vandalizing the holy ground, you know, to make them look more evil than they are. Yes. But I'm actually glad that they at least said that they were persuaded by the devil right like that's Mm -hmm. a point that you need to make because that means you were persuaded and that you're you're you shouldn't have full guilt on your shoulders technically Mm -hmm. that's what they were trying to do it but it's still it makes me very mad because they were coerced into saying all of these things all of these things like i'm i bet you that when they got the confession out of them they were beaten bloodied, exhausted, and tired, and barely said these words. They were just, they were probably just agreeing with what someone was saying 
that was completely made up. Mm-hmm. I hate and that. as we talk about more trials, I think we'll see that this is a very common similarity throughout them. Yeah, coercion, 100% into things that don't even make any sense, such as making candles out of babies, mm-hmm. unborn babies. It just... There, is that no. even possible? Like, no, because scientifically. There's, there's no substance in there. Like, the only way that you could possibly do that, not to sound or not to get really disgusting, would be to, like, grind it down and, like, put it into wax, you know? Yeah. But, like, no. Like, why would <laughs> that happen? That's too hard. Also, who the hell made that up? <laughs> who, who put that story together? Well, you know, I'm, this is Bavaria, the land of fairy tales. I'm sure they have numerous yeah tales well, and stories the brothers grim didn't exist for another 200 years so this yeah. is the beginning <laughs> of it this is the prelude of it and back to that source that i was mentioning earlier that i keep bringing up now that when they confessed they actually gave exact names of people exact animals that they killed or abused because what pretty much happened was all of these children and mothers were dying and nobody could accept that God had done this upon them and that the Pappenheimers were basically the devil at this point because they took the blame. So I'm sure you can guess by now, but the verdict ended up being guilty on account of witchcraft and coercing with the devil. And this was punishable by death. So on July 29th, year 1600, the four oldest Pappenheimers were burned alive at the stake. And really tragically, their youngest son, Hansel, or Hull, had to watch his family members die before him. And this is very weird. A sheriff was actually told to write down his reactions. Isn't that morbid? Yes, it is morbid, but I also would like to see what was written down, to be honest. I couldn't, I couldn't find that, unfortunately. Yeah. No, I'm sure that's lost or maybe somewhere in a German archive mm-hmm. that I would love to see one day. But, but I wonder yeah. what the use would, of that would have been. Like, obviously, he's going to be upset. Yeah. But maybe the sheriff was, wrote it down as like, oh, he was not upset and he liked watching like, you never know. Like, yeah. the sheriff could have been persuaded to write something else as well. Exactly. I think it probably had something to do with what you just said. Like, maybe he wouldn't be upset or, like, maybe he was smiling the whole time and the devil was reflecting through his eyes. Blah, blah, blah. Who knows? <laughs> like <laughs> That would have been really creepy. But also, people yeah. grieve differently. Like, I know some people who go to a funeral and they don't cry because that's just how they grieve. They just don't cry. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I I wish I could have found that source. Um, So that same year, though, Hansel was baptized and renamed Cyprian, but he was still executed in November that same year. And I wonder if he knew he was going to be executed or maybe he was baptized and he thought he would have had some hope because he didn't. He wasn't yeah. born at the same time as his family. But if he was baptized, that also means that like somebody kind of took him in, right? Mm-hmm. Like nobody back then would want to baptize that child, I feel, just because of what he was connected to, right? Yeah. Um, but someone with 
some decency in their heart, maybe wanted to save them in some way because he wouldn't be responsible for that. Yeah. And I know that when he was executed, it was actually with other witches from Mm -hmm. another trial. So maybe they were just waiting for a free stake. As bad as that sounds, maybe there was only four stakes, (sighs) which happens. Hint, hint, as you'll see in our next episode. But that was it today for the Pappenheimer family of quote-unquote witches. A true tale of woe. Very sad. (laughs) Yeah. So now I'll just drop that book source I was talking about earlier. It's a long title, so get ready. It is A Strange Report of Six Most Notorious Witches who, by their devilish practices, murdered above the number of the 400 small children besides the great hurts they committed upon divers other people. Yes, that entire sentence is the title of the book. It was written anonymously in 1601. Six was spelt S-I-X-C, and Hertz was spelt H-U-R-T-E-S. As I said, that this is written in Old English, so it might be a little bit harder to decipher, but the gist of it is there, and it is readily available for everyone on Google Books. Stephanie and I would just like to thank you all for listening in to our podcast and supporting us. We do take a lot of time to research these trials for you, so stay tuned because we do this every week. If you want to hear more from us or email us any comments or questions, you can do so at our email, witchstorypodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at at witchstorypod. Thanks again, everyone, and we'll see you next week.